Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Token Podcast Live Stories. I'm your host and sometimes referee, the friendly neighborhood, Zach Stat Pearson. And today, I am joined by he who codes all from the skies in the clouds, a one shy dubs. Hey, hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. And of course, I'm joined by a longtime series veteran who isn't a veteran, but is an officer because his last name is Cops, a one officer, 9,000. Hey, hey, how you doing? And of course, he whose deviousness knows no bounds because he thinks he's good at hiding it, Tetrine. I really feel like we got into my backstory before the topic started, and that's kind of an unfair advantage. I mean, not really. Everyone else backstory we went into you're just the only one on your villain arc <laughs> now pot stickers aside um it's been mentioned in passing possibly in dozens of episodes sometimes life stories sometimes token cast sometimes other shit technically i'm a stand-up comedian and I know what you're wondering. Why is there a technically attached to that? Which is what we're here to learn. So, technically, which is going to come up a lot, I've been at this a full-on decade. Or maybe a little bit more. But because of the unusual way I started, and then had long pauses, because I was still in school, um, the amount of time I've accrued on stage is basically nothing compared to anybody who worked you know even for a full year and before anybody makes an assumption no i was not booed off of a stage or some shit all right so let's get into it as possibly only one of you knows um i met shy dubs in community college but what Shy Dubs uh, and practically everyone else occasionally forgot is that I just started uh, college early. I wasn't actually 18 or 17. I was 16 when I started uh, college. I don't consider that something to brag about or anything special. In fact, it's a little bit kind of sort of sad because whatever you want to do, whoever you want to hang out with, whatever you want to do, you can't do because... Well, you have the state and federal curfew. And also, if your parents say no, because your ass ain't grown. It's kind of a pain in the ass. And then all your other friends, well, they're still on traditional school hours. So that means that they essentially have a uh, eight to five. This is before school got extended by a full hour. Those poor bastards. So if I'm on a schedule where my first class of the day is at noon on the dot and I'm there till four, I'm working 12 to four, right? 12 to four. There's no way for me to essentially keep up with anybody unless it's online. But, you know, that's just how it is. And... One of the things that happened there is that there was a school board, but the literal kind, not the website stuff. There was a school cork board and there was some performing arts, um, something contest 
Oh, shit. Forgot my phone is not on silent and or vibrate. My bad. There's some kind of performing art shit. And the way it was phrased, it wasn't looking for performers. It was just you get to watch some performances. And I saw what was on the list. And it had two of my favorite things in the same place. An actual seating. Not, you know, suffocating crowds where somebody's elbow is going to hit me in the face. I'm not saying I had snuck into a club before at this point in time of my life. But I have been in places where music was being played. And there was a live audience and it wasn't a giant concert hall. Let's just say that. And they, the way I, and I knew the place, you know, cause it wasn't too far from where I was. I decided, you know what? Let me go and watch this stuff. It says 18 plus or you, and you get it on a discount with your student ID. Last I checked community college student IDs do not have age. So I'm going to see if I can play the bullshit game. I succeeded in playing the bullshit game. And for the sake of whatever laws or fines may still be in effect or that I'm not aware of, I'm not going to say the name of this, you know, establishment, because for all I know, someone could see this 10, 20 years down the line and there could be an investigation or that license get temporarily pulled. There's all uh, there's all types of shit that can happen when you have a liquor license. There's a whole entire list of things you have to take into account, but I'm not going to try to get someone in trouble. Plus, to be fair, it technically wasn't their fault. They were told that community college students could come as long as they got an ID they got a discount and they're supposed to be allowed in so yeah <laughs> what were they gonna do so I go in there and first thing that happens is I see one of those little pamphlet drink menus and I'm just like fuck so I get regular food I enjoy myself I have a good time um eventually everything wraps for the night i'm leaving but uh they stopped letting people in and i just wanted to go back to take a piss i had to get non-alcoholic drinks but i didn't use the bathroom and they were basically telling me no not in a rude way but they kept telling me no so i said well fuck this i'm not gonna sit over here and wait on the bus or either ride my bike all the way back or some shit i went around back and I did exactly what you think I did. I went into the alley. I went into the darkest part I could find. And I straight up relieved myself. Did I want to do that? No. No man wants to pee outside. Did I have a choice? No. However, someone closed the lid really hard. And I shook a little bit and someone heard my belt. And it was a woman. The one person you don't want to find you peeing in an alley. It's just awkward. Even if they are comfortable with it, it's fucking awkward for any person. I try to pretend like they're not there. Or I pray they think I'm some psychopathic homeless guy and just leave me alone and run in the opposite direction. I know that's kind of fucked up, but I'd rather have that than dealing with the embarrassment that comes with them seeing me or knowing who I am. So, I do my business. I shake it off. You know, make sure I don't touch anything. And I zip up and I say, man, I wish I could have kept those web wipes. And before I turn around in here, I still got some. And I just said, why are you still here? It's like, why are you yelling? Oh, dear. Yes. The awkwardness. Oh, God, the awkwardness. And then she just, look, I'm going to set them. She says, look, I'm going to set them by the doorknob. Okay. 
So she placed like the wipes on the doorknob. And then I go and reach for them and I say, thank you. And then she says, you know, somebody named Zach. So now my oh, fourth no. worst fear of all time <laughs> is essentially kicking in. And I say, uh, no, my name's Walter. Bitch, it's you. You only say your name is you only say your middle name when you don't want someone to remember you when you're doing something fucking awkward. Because technically I didn't lie. My middle name is in fact Walter. They don't come more generic than that. Except maybe Jeremy. That's pretty plain. Anyways. No, no, don't 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 come at Jeremy. Don't come at Jeremy. No. Walter is more plain than Jeremy. Uh, we'll put a pin in that. I'm going to Google some shit later. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, look, if I Google ridiculously plain Jane names of North America, we all know John is untouchable. But right under John, I, I feel like Jeremy's are somewhere in there. Anyways. um, So I look at her and it's the, it's the girl from the stage. And I'm confused he's like you don't recognize me do you it was like no but do you know a large portion of my friends and or are on my social media yes but i'm not telling you to which one hey listen is did i do something to you in the past life why are you kind of psychologically torturing me how am i psychologically touching you i didn't do nothing i gave you disinfectant wipes I was like, listen, you watched me pee. I watched you pee from the back in a dark alley. I didn't see nothing. Do you not understand? This still feels weird. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I can see that. Where have I? Now I'm like, why does this feel familiar? I know I've met a woman some point in time in my life that can't comprehend when she's putting dudes in awkward situations like you know a grade school sibling when she has a big brother i'm like i feel like someone's parents have even told me look i apologize my daughter is the king of putting men in awkward situations i'm not even sure she's gonna get married to a man and she's straight i can't remember whose parents said that to me and pretty much everybody else at a birthday party no less damn it i can't remember but I'm just like, okay, well, um, I don't remember you, so I'm going to go home now. So I try to basically awkwardly hide half of my face, get around her and go out the alley and just book the shit home on my bike. And then I just hear, I can find you. And then as I'm unhooking my bike, like everyone walking by, looks at me and just stops so now it's gotten 10 times more awkward because i don't know what they're thinking just happened right so i'm just like taking the chains and shit off my bike i had one of those uh i think jeremy remembers it it was when those uh wire locks first started coming out where it's a long cable but it's like metal on the inside coated in rubber and you just have to put in a four or five digit spin code to get the shit off yeah Bro, yeah. I swear to God, I went past the numbers like twice because I was so fucking terrified. It was cold as shit, but I was sweating. 
So then someone taps me on the shoulder and it's some dude I don't know. And he just like, is this your bike? So I change one number and he's like, okay. And then I still book it like I stole something. So I go home and I'm like, and some of my friends ask me, hey, what'd you do over the weekend? I lied my ass off. I don't remember what I said, but I lied my ass off. So eventually, um, turns out that place was owned by her dad. And this guy's name is Joseph. And his daughter's name was Brenda. And she's one of the only Brenda's I've ever met in my whole life because for some reason, I don't know, after the 70s, that name just pretty much evaporated in North America. I don't know anybody that knows a Brenda under 40. Um, so she calls me up and this is, you know, back when house phones were first really going extinct <clears throat> and Brenda is like, Hey, why'd you run yesterday? It's like, what do you mean? Brenda, I haven't seen you in years. What is it? Oh my God. Why does nobody recognize me with makeup on? I hate when any person, let alone women, ask questions they know the fucking answer to. Because I don't know what to say that doesn't make me look like an asshole, even though you're the one who's giving me shit. You put on makeup and I didn't recognize you. How are you mad in this equation? So we got to talking. Eventually, uh, well, her dad asked me not to say anything. Because one, even though she's in a band, she ain't supposed to fucking be there because Brenda is the same age as me. Neither of us are 21. And he asked me, what the fuck was I doing there? And he wanted to speak to my parents. And I was like, hey, uh, Mr. Joseph, I don't remember their last name, so I'm just calling him Mr. Joseph. Mr. Joseph, um, I don't actually go to high school anymore. You got kicked out? What did you do? You never like was a thug or something? Didn't you like drop kick two thugs once I was like how the fuck does everybody know about this i don't have that shit like tattooed on my face that's not my introductory statement when i go someplace hi my name is zach pearson i drop kick two thugs the fuck but somehow he knows about this shit i was like no i actually finished high school got out early because well my parents couldn't afford my last high school i went to anymore and they weren't gonna put me back in the public system and this is kind of funny. One of the things that led to me doing stand-up was an incident no one believed happened. And I think, I think Shy Does might remember it because it was on the news. But I also told them about it when I when I met him a few years later because I was there when it was happening. So Bogan High School, for those of you um, in Illinois area, uh, had an entire three months of time in the early 2000s where motherfuckers I shit you not were literally pulling the fire alarm not as a prank but because they found out that they would shut down the school temporarily if it happened too many times because the school received a fine every time it happened it was fucking terrifying but when you got a math test oh my god do you love it so yeah i can imagine yeah so i was i actually experienced that um <clears throat> excuse me 
So what ends up happening is I explained to him, you know, my entire high school situation because people think I'm lying about shit sometimes when I've talked to them for some of the podcast stuff, but they don't realize I'm like, dummy, I went to more than one high school. I went to more than one type of school. So I went to, we'll say two and a half high schools. Then I went to the GD program, but I was so far ahead of, you know, not everybody. I'm not going to say I was the best shit because everyone knows no matter how smart a test says I am, put some math on it. Watch how allergic I get. Um, but I basically did 12 months or less in the GD program. I don't remember the exact time frame the GD program because it scales based on where you are when it comes to training. But I was basically eligible to take the GD test as early as the end of my first semester. And the GD semester is only two months. So I did like four months in the GD program. And if memory serves, and I eventually passed my test. My timeline is very fucking hazy. It is very, very hazy. But it gets more accurate the further the story is going to go. So, you know, uh, then he talked to my dad. Thank God he talked to my fucking dad. Oh my God. Everyone loves my dad. Everyone either loves my mom or they're indifferent because they're mostly talking to my dad. But when it comes to dealing with fucked up shit or situations that may go terrible, everybody wants the parent of least resistance. We all know it. We all want the parent of least resistance to deal with it. Because they may care so little they forget to tell the other parent. Come on, I know I'm not the only one. Really? Fuck y'all. I mean, I was, you know, single parent, so my mother was the only one we could talk to. You two got nothing to say? Or did y'all fall asleep? Wait, I I also come from a, uh, a separated household. Cough, cough, shy doves, cough. No, I said I have nothing to say. You don't have a preferred parent for when you think you win some shit. His mama, obviously. <laughs> like, I don't like anybody for the most part. Okay. Well, for me, it was the opposite. It was my dad. Um, so barring one exception, but fuck her. I ain't gonna even bring her up. Um, so she, uh, uh, he gives, he eventually gives me the phone. He says, Hey, look, um, thank you for not snitching essentially about, you know, his daughter because, you know, she's in a band, but she damn sure wasn't supposed to be there performing. He obviously watches her. She ain't doing no drugs or alcohol, blah, 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 blah. So he gives her the phone back. Me and her get to talking and I tell her what's up. Right. So then she tries to bug her parents and get into the GD program. And they're just like, no. And this is something I've seen before. GED costs less than regular high school. And if your kids are in the public school system, you get a chance to get them out of high school quicker. But parents will just say no to their child going to a GD program. She lived on the other side of Ford City. And as we all know, Ford City is technically connected to Daly College on a small level through a technicality. 
So it actually would have been faster for her to go to the GD program scholastically and, you know, logistically. But they just said no. But, you know, me and her got to talking, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, <clears throat> one day, uh, you know, I just asked her dad for a job because, well, he's kind of like the only person who will actually accept my parents' written statement saying I'm allowed to have a job because even though I'm out of the school system, some people just say, nah, this just looks too shaky for me, man. I was like, what? How is this shaky? You literally have parental permission to fucking hire me. And you have proof I'm actually out of the school system. So I work for them. And then one day, he, um, he had made a mention that some comedian couldn't make it. And uh, if people want a refund, that's fine. But he's going to find replacement. He's going to call in some favors. And he's going to have replacement um, people come in for the night. Right. Here's the thing, though. He wasn't going to do that. He wanted to call up every other person in the band that uh, his daughter was in. And he's like, hey, all of you, get your asses over here. I'm going to get y'all some free promotion. And they were essentially going to do a free show, which we all know. Unless there's some charity involved, it's usually a bad look. But pretty much everyone in that band, except for one person, is a minor. And he's only four months older than everyone else. Minus um, Brenda. So they were a teenage band that were becoming adults over the course of, you know, a few years. And their parents agreed to it. He was making calls. Some of the parents are being defensive, but the opposite parent would try to coax them. And I'm basically throwing glass bottles in the trash and I'm cleaning up floors. And eventually, you know, people started leaving shit on the stage. Like everyone knows that is a fucking no, no. Also, it's one of those stages where I don't know how you would describe it, but they have lights that are in the actual stage floor on the edges. Really, that's for people not to bust their ass falling off of it. That's not even for the crowd. But the outlets, you know, are kind of sort of exposed enough to where a liquid can easily leak in there and then you got a fire on your hands or you got a shorted bulb or you might short all the bulbs. Like, there was potential for some shit to happen. Obviously, they do have a safety line though. Um, and I was the one who would actually have to paint it and then there were some chemicals that would make it glow. It was kind of fucking cool. But the way it worked is they wanted to make sure at a minimum there was 10 inches of space that nobody came near, you know, but obviously the further away, the better, right? So I'm cleaning. I am swiffering the floor and then the lights are off, but I tap a bottle and I was like, is this a fucking bottle? So I go back and I tell um, this dude named Phil, he worked there. Uh, I was like, Phil, hey, where is the switch that turns on the power to the stage? Oh, you getting up? Yeah, I'm going to get up there. Not knowing that he meant it in a completely different way, right? So I go up there. Bro, I was hella pissed. There was 11 glass bottles on this motherfucking stage. Budweiser, somebody had brought a fucking chalice. It was glass. I guess they want this is when the little John Chalice thing was full in effect. For those of you who remember that shit. 
What year is this again? <laughs> I don't know, but if if Little John is everywhere and chalices are everywhere, you know it's early two thousands. Okay, I really wanted to yell yeah and Little John voice, but I won't. I wouldn't have been mad at you. That would have been fucking hilarious. Um, so uh, the mic's on, and I was like, and I just go, hey. And I give the inter the universal sign for pause or cut the music temporarily. You motherfuckers are not at your house. Don't be leaving junky bottles on stage. If you cause a fire, not only are you not going to pay for it, you're going to be the first motherfucker to run out of here. And then the whole room started laughing. Now, technically, I won't call that my first joke because I don't consider it a joke, right? So I go, okay, look. There should be a trash can or three or a big ass, uh, big ass. I'm meant for a festival or an out school for, or a, a summertime picnic size dumpster. Pass me one of them bitches and bring it forward, please. And they literally like crowd surf a fucking dumpster over to me. Thank you. So I start throwing this shit away. Right. And when I get to the uh, last bottle. Joseph grabs my hand, pulls me down and says, hey, fucking stall, man. Keep stalling. And when I open, when I open my hand that he grabbed, <laughs> there's a $100 bill in there. I was like, the fuck? Oh, so this is, and this is how dumb to this day, none, nobody who was there believes me. The whole entire staff, Brenda, nobody believes me. I'm thinking he meant keep them entertained long enough for the performance to get in. Not that he's paying me to do stand-up. Because I technically don't know how to do it at this point in time. Right? So. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I keep this shit on the side of the stage. So this shit is like permanently to the left of me. And um, I just say, hey. Don't be scared to pass. Uh, don't be scared to pass anything up to me if you want it thrown away. We all know that going through. We all know that trying to get anywhere in a in a get anywhere in a crowded club is like trying to play Tetris in real life. So and they start laughing a little bit, and I'm just like, "Huh? Why did they think that was funny? That was kind of boring." You're gonna notice a pattern going throughout this whole first not stand up stand up routine. So. I mentioned, so then I just started calling off things that everybody wants, you know, to doesn't want to deal with while we're in the building. And one of the worst ones is people not closing the fucking door, right? I don't know if you've ever seen a restaurant or a club where before you go in the actual front entrance, there's this like black box with plastic clear sheets over it with the door handle. Then you go in there. Then you go into the front door. That's because assholes won't close the fucking door, no matter how cold it is or if there's snow blowing in assholes not customers assholes call them what they are we don't have that and these mugs won't close the door and we gotta wait a full two weeks before we can get the entire door changed because instead of just getting the hinge repaired which has happened i think seven times in two months uh joseph was gonna get a new type of door and a completely different hinge type and you know get in one of those automated systems where it knows to close and how far to close with the spring and spring loaders or whatever it's called right so i just say hey look guys please keep the door closed when you come in okay it's cold outside it's motherfucking november we all know this is girlfriend stealing your hoodie and or coat weather so then like the room actually legitimately started laughing 
And then I hear somebody go, what's that supposed to mean? And I just look at them as like, you know damn well when you're going any place, especially in this city and in this state, once you get past August, not even really August, once you just get past the summer, everything is 50-50 with this bipolar weather. We are the inventors of the concept of bipolar weather. Nobody fact check that. And I want to make sure that you know this because I don't like it when anyone, let alone women, especially go someplace, you know it was going to be cold that day. And then you look at your boyfriend or your dad or your husband, you go, I'm cold. We all know that's not what you really fucking mean. What you really mean is give me your warmth and your heat from your coat and you suffer while I stay warm. And then something clicked because the room just like erupted. Because there was some dudes yelling, you do that, you do that. Now I don't. And I was like, oh, am I doing stand-up? Literally, I am like five, ten minutes into a set. And then it dawns on me, I'm doing stand-up, right? And I made one more joke that I don't remember. And then boom, you know, the band's ready to go. And then, uh... The lead uh, guitarist, Pretty Boy, comes and says, all right, uh, another round of applause for our uh, opener. And, and then he pulls me, he's like, hey, what is your name? Oh, I'm, I'm Zach. Give it up for Zach, everybody. I was like, oh, shit. He was asking me my stand-up name. Damn it. Probably should have said something cool. You see how discombobulated I am from this shit? I'm detached from the thing that I'm doing, Right? Bro, I was riding a high for a week. Every time I got near the job, my dick got hard. And I just eventually bugged Joseph enough to have him let me do a set. Like an actual legitimate set. He said, look, I'm only going to give you 15 fucking minutes, okay? Because I would be theoretically squeezing you into someone else's time. Because everything he does for booking, and this is what, and this is how efficient this man is. I would like most people if they get a working club it's a fluke it's a legitimate fluke they just lucky they're popular no he organized his shit he actually had his entire performance roster for 30 days planned out in advance he tries to book out his entire roster situation three months at a time so he can sit on his ass even if he doesn't show up he knows who's supposed to show up all this other stuff and he makes sure that the axe or he has um appearance insurance i know that sounds weird but basically for the non-entertainment people appearance insurance is basically any event that somebody does not show up and people paid to see them essentially you get the money back to give to those people and you get to keep the money that you got initially from the ticket sales um and i told him okay so he planned me out ahead of schedule and Brenda kept calling me. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? It was like, Brenda, Brenda, why are you asking? I'm just going to do it there. Yeah, but I want to know right now. Like, why? Well, I mean, I just want to laugh now and I can laugh later too. It was like, no. And I hung up the phone and I didn't get no sleep for the next three days because my brain realized two things. Shit. I have never sat down and written jokes before. My shit has been streaming consciousness and short puns. 
So I'm like, oh fuck, I'm gonna screw this up. I'm gonna screw this up. And not only did I, I didn't screw it up, but here's the weird part. When I got done, Joseph was walking me, you know, to the back, cause I, I still had to work. So he was gonna have me unload some uh, cleaning chemicals and shit, and also help him do a booze run um, from a, a distributor, not like a retail store. Uh, and he's telling me about this stuff and I straight up threw up in the first trash can I found to this day. I still don't know why I did it. I didn't get booed off the stage. People laughed. I did that thing where you make a white people's face turn baboons ass red. So I got some enjoyment out of it. I love doing that. Yes. Tetrine. <laughs> Just affirmative laughter. There's more than one way to tan a hide. You have your front, you have your back door. I use the front door. Anyways, um, so Joseph said, are you fucking okay? He's like, yes. Like Zach, let me tell you something. I've known you maybe 10 years. Do you know how much I hate when you answer a question and you make it sound like the answer is a question? I was like, I don't, I'm not trying to do it on purpose though. I, I, okay. Let's say I actually believe you. Well, I mean, I'm not, he's not an asshole, but look, there's not an adult in this world that thinks it's a good idea to trust a teenager. Um, especially implicitly. So I told him like, listen, I don't know that. Well, look, um, you know, I can contact your parents. I know where you live. You're taking a drug test. Okay. I'm not going to fire you, but if there's something really wrong, I'm not going to be having you around my daughter or my family or this place without you getting, without you getting looked at or going to rehab. I was like, I'm not on drugs. You're sweating. When I keep the stage cold, there's no overhead lighting specifically to avoid face sweat. And I make sure that there's in ground AC and you just vomited and you just now started in your work day. Go home. So I went home and, you know, I, I took a drug test and I came back clean. And if I didn't get the drug test within 48 hours, no, not even 48. If I didn't get that drug test within 24 hours, like a full drug test, not just pee. I had to do some other shit at this doctor's office or uh, diagnosis place, which isn't the same thing as a doctor's office. And... He still talked to my parents. We, luckily, my dad was around. And he said, boy, you funny boy? I was like, why do you sound like Foghorn Leghorn right now? I was like, um, yeah, I, I think I'm funny, daddy. He's like, well, I mean, I know you're funny, but I didn't know you could get that that funny. How long you been doing this? Was like, that was the second time ever. Oh. Hey, make some jokes about your mama for me. I was like, you ain't even got to ask. <laughs> so I know this is like the most boring but manliest thing ever me and my dad when we want to eat something or we cooking something we will straight up go in the kitchen in our pajamas fix the shit talk about whatever and chill in there right and for some, for some reason this pisses off my mom to no end so when she come home from work or if she going out and me and him are in the kitchen in pajamas, 
she well, at some point in time will say the sentence y'all make me sick and I'm just like and I, and one day she left my husband I was like I don't do you actually know what she's mad at I was like bro no like I've asked and there wasn't really an explanation other than she doesn't like the fact that we will be in our pajamas chilling in the kitchen but that's it there's nothing else to it like if there is she ain't told me not no longer than you do you want to stop doing this is like hey look i'm not stubborn but you know i'm setting my ways i don't see myself stopping now for anybody who's coming from a two-parent household hey look we all know how the shit work if mommy and her daddy don't get in trouble for some behavior and you copy the behavior you don't get in trouble until mommy or daddy gets in trouble for that behavior is it lazy yes I acknowledge that but let's be honest me and my dad aren't out here beating the shit out of my mom doing drugs setting anything on fire or being alcoholics we're just in the kitchen in pajamas so if he don't get no fucks I don't have to give a fuck and you know uh this doesn't come up or rather I guess transitive situations didn't happen with my mom when it came to this information so my mom doesn't end up finding out until I'm like 18 right I don't even remember if I told her how it happened or I think she might have assumed I just started at 18 she even helped me do some of my out-of-state shows sometimes now eventually uh and you know technically I'm also in college so what ends up happening is I really only end up doing 20 shows going from 16 to 18. That's how little I perform. Basically, I was performing in the summer and one or two shows in the winter months. That was it. I did not live or do a traditional comedian job. You perform someplace, hopefully you become a regular. And when you become a regular, you know, you don't you might not quit your day job, but you go do this. Or you pray you meet somebody who likes you enough to want to put you on their tour. I don't know if people realize it, but um, the machine himself, Burt Kreischer, aka the funny man who likes to, you know, take his shirt off and dance and shit, that guy actually predicted the rise of Taylor Tomlinson, who opened for him on numerous occasions. And is not only one of the funniest women in America currently. Is also getting like four Netflix specials. And two or three of them are already out. Right? Yeah, it's funny how that works out. They're almost 20 years apart, but they got nothing but love and respect for each other. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm just going to delete that one. (laughs) Anyways... So I started talking to other people and apparently this is one of the worst things that could possibly happen. I started asking like, Hey, what's a good place to go perform? Hey, what's a good place or type of joke to make? Is there, is this joke too much or too little? I'm literally asking every question that you can think of to some of these people who are like 40, 50, 
um, maybe some in their 30s. And they're all saying different shit. But, you know, every comedian is different. Unless you get those really generic ones who like only perform in Christian uh, comedy clubs or Christian. That's not a thing. Christian uh, performing arts events and shit like that. Everybody got something different to say. And I'm okay with that because it's not an exact science like math. You know, I don't know how this works. I'm not pretending I know how this works. I don't even know the name of comedy bars. I think that in the whole entire two year time span, I only learned the name of two legitimate comedy places because most of the places I'm performing, they weren't necessarily from the ground up comedy places. They were just legitimate bars, right? And they just happened to have a stage and they took me. But most of the time of those 20 times I would perform, bro, I was a push off. Now, I don't know if that's the technical term or if people have come across this term before, but a push off is someone who, well, they don't get to perform because time constraints or something or someone took too long. Now, was it, were they doing this to me on purpose? No, these people didn't know me enough or see me enough to hate me, right? Never got booed off a stage, I killed, and I developed an addiction to making white people choke laugh, which I probably shouldn't have because, well, apparently, if you do make somebody pass out from laughter, they can actually sue you. Yeah, ain't that some shit? You came to a comedy club to laugh, and you can sue me for laughing. Yes. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that doesn't... That this is America. Sense. Anyways. So, um... I'm sitting up here thinking to myself, yo, I should write down some of this stuff, see if I can develop a pattern or figure out what type of comedian or what type of jokes I like to say or what type of jokes I'm good at and work on the types that I'm not, right? Dude, and here's something I didn't know that was very uncommon. Some of the places I would go, I would write or think up the jokes on the way there. They weren't pre, you know, they weren't pre-rehearsed. But what happened is it would be it won't necessarily be an open mic. It'll be like an actual thing you can show up to. And it's basically to see if the owner wants to have you be a regular or do sets in the future. They're basically getting free work. Let's not bullshit. Let's call it what it is. They're getting free labor for it. And the worst part is, is that uh, you're not even getting anything for showing up. And even if there is a prize. Bro, the prize is so shitty sometimes. Sometimes it's just a fucking, um, your drinks are free for the rest of the night or the day, or they give you food. Now, obviously ain't nothing wrong with that on paper, but when you start using it for profit, every night is an open mic night. And then maybe one or two people out of 20 that come through in a week. Nah, you trying to you're you're essentially grifting your own entertainers, performers. But as we all know, there are many unions, but a comedy union 
to my knowledge, doesn't exist. Or they tell you go through SAG after. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, agents or managers can get some contractual guidelines, make sure you're treated a certain way, or you get an appearance fee, blah, 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 all that stuff. I have none of that, obviously. I don't even know where to go. I haven't even asked other people that I've met. And for the most part, a lot of them, they were, they had normal jobs. So one day I realized I had been a push up, a push off for five days straight. Joseph sold his bar. He had moved at this point. This was another four years later. So at this point, I am 20, not even old enough to drink, but because no one's checking my fucking ID, no one has realized this, right? Now, occasionally some people will recognize me from a bus or a train. I'll exchange emails when giving out my number, I will exchange emails. And I told them, Hey, listen, they told me, Hey, listen, how much for you to come here and do this, 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 and this. So. I would still do like maybe 10 or 20 shows a year, but a lot of them would be out of state or they would be, you know, Western Illinois, you know, the places where all the GOP lovers live. I'm like, why the fuck do they want me out here? Oh my. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, a, it's not a fucking secret, but the blueness of Illinois is routed essentially to the Illinois, to the Chicago area, but because damn near every place else has such a small population, you know? Uh, they're basically blood red or barely purple. So eventually I, you know, made friends and they were people who were around my age. They were, they were, they were nearing their thirties, but they were in their twenties still. Right. It was Sasha and a guy who was named Kelly. And yes, even I know there's been a few too many Kelly's in these stories, but to be fair, Hey, look, I don't tell white people what to name their kids. I just wish y'all would stop using the five names that everyone and their mom can recognize. Just go through an actual name book. Let's revive some names. We, we have enough Jeremy's. We have enough John's. We have enough Kelly's, Ashley's, and Jessica's. I'm not saying get rid of the old ones. Let's I'm just saying. Let's on Jeremy. Like, come on. If <laughs> like, I look up the top Jeremy 10 names in North America, do you honestly want to tell me it's Jeremy's not are not going to be on that list? The last time it was a top name in North America was back in the 80s, my guy. I said top <laughs> like, 10. It's not a top 10 name. It's not. Did you Google <laughs> that? I, I, I've Googled it multiple times. It's not a top 10 name. Trust you seem me. very obsessed with the name Jeremy. I'm just saying. I, I, I am. I am. <laughs> I am obsessed with the name Jeremy. Yes. Okay. Well, if I have a bump into a Jeremy, I'll introduce you to you. You'll probably make a good couple. Moving on. Um, so I get to know them and they're like, hey, you know, well, we actually kind of sort of, you know, exchange driving duties and we perform, you know, uh, uh, in different, uh, uh, you know, in the continental US, but mostly in the Midwest. I was like, and to my knowledge, you've never been on a circuit or even done a tour or anything. Now, in my head, when they brought this up to me like three months later, when I said I'm thinking about stopping because I was a push off, like so many people showed up, they didn't have time to get to me in an open mic night and shit like this. I was thinking about like legitimately quitting. They brought this up to me, right? So you thinking, man, these gotta be some of the coolest people ever. 
because they gain nothing by helping me do this. I told them, man, I'll buy you food. I'll help for the car uh, gas if you need me to drive a section of this trip, you know. Well, we'll see. And they said, well, none of the people know you, but what's going to happen is we're we going to have shows. And when we get there, we'll, you know, maybe see if you can be our like opener or if we can at least see if they can get you on a roster or get to know you and have you potentially do a small set. And then they see if they want you to come back more. That's actually how it worked for me. I don't know how it works for other comedians or, you know, famous ones, but that's basically what I had to do. I basically had to show you, hey, look, I can do the job. Then I had to go and get paid to do the job. Now, in almost any other field, that's highly irregular, but it's comedy. Shit's a little bit nebulous. So, three shows into it, two of the uh, owners let me get up there. They made sure I knew I wasn't going to get paid. But um, the first one gave me five minutes. He let me do 20. And I got to open for Sasha. Second one, I, opened for, uh, I got to open for Kelly. They gave me 10 minutes. They let me go for 15. And I don't mean I stole five minutes from their set because that's kind of rude. Uh, one or two minutes is common, but five minutes, that's on purpose. It was more like I got permission and he was okay with it, right? Now, there are at this point, there's 15 more places they're going to go. And I was the guy mapping out laundry mats. And I made sure I tried to look up 24-7 ones, right? I go to sleep in the back of the car. Well, van, SUV. It was something big. It was probably an SUV, right? They spent three and a half hours shit talking me because they were mad that I was getting more laughs than them, even though I did less time. So like Sheesh. anybody, yeah, like anybody in my age group, you know, who's got good self-esteem and shit and is comfortable in his performances. I got out. And got my shit out at a gas station when they went in to get food and take shit. And I went behind the gas station and I fucking cried like a little bitch. And, you know, Lyft and Ubers weren't exactly everywhere at the time. So I sat there for like three hours waiting for a taxi. And um, the night shift lady came out and she knew I was back there. She said, hey, listen, uh. I don't know what happened with your friends, but you're not like a lost kid, are you? I was like, no, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm, I'm going home. There was a tour or something. They wanted me on it, but they decided they didn't because I was funnier than them. So why are you crying? And I basically try to tell her, look, I just listened to people shit on me for three hours and some change who were supposed to be my good friends, who were some of the only people who would actually give me concrete, helpful information and not look at me like I'm crazy because I don't know shit, right? And she's like, where are you from? I'll, I'll try to get you on. I'm like, I'm from, I'm from Chicago. I was like, okay, well, I am not leaving the state. I was like, it's fine. I did call a taxi. It's just, <gasps> it's a taxi, you know? It's going to take them a while. And then she gave me a hundred dollars and she gave me some Kleenex and she went in there, bought me an orange mountain dew. They don't make those anymore. And she talked to me for like 10, 15 minutes to try to get me to feel better. And then she went home and I never saw her again. And I, and I honestly regret that I didn't read her name tag 
and I got on, I got to the taxi, I got to an Amtrak or a Metro. I basically slept on the bench until they started running again. And Sasha and Kelly were blowing up my phone. And I just said, hey, don't worry about anything. I'm going home. Right? I never figured out if they put two and two together, but they just said, okay. They never spoke to me again, and I never spoke to them again. And yeah, I mean, obviously my self-esteem and how I am as a person has obviously changed since then. And I think it's for everybody. It's different when a total stranger shits talks you for any amount of time versus people you were hanging out with, been in the house of, met the spouse or the children of, you know, gave general good life advice to that they thanked you for shitting on you and something for three, three and a half hours, maybe. And I didn't do shit for, I don't know how many years. I want to say maybe two. Then I got a call from Lisa. Now I'm sure people have heard me bitch about her, but I don't hate my old agent, Lisa. My problem with Lisa is that she kept reminding me that I was shorter than her by hugging me. She, she she was about six two, but she was always in three or four inch heels. She hates high heels, so she normally stops at three or four inches. But when you're six two, you're still a fucking giant in heels. Yeah. And she basically she said, Hey, uh, I don't know why I took you this long to get to my email. I was like, yeah, I have a problem with emails. It's not a you thing. It's a my shit's fucked up thing. I I know that you don't erase important emails, but I also need to go through my back catalog. Did I mention I have over 5,000 emails I need to read in my inbox right now? Fuck. What is my official count? I'm going to look this up before I wrap this up. How much of that is spam, though? uh 10 10 percent or 10 <laughs> no 10 <laughs> okay i have 6285 emails in my inbox and i have 10 spam emails i need to fix this i really really do and here's a picture of it so um uh oh why did it double post shouldn't that go like take down for whatever yes it should moving on and i told her hey i'm sorry my 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 inbox is legitimately a problem so officer stay out of it so essentially she basically said hey listen uh I don't know if you currently have an agent, but from what I've been told and what I saw, you weren't. Uh, I was trying to find you some years ago, and I'm still interested. I don't know if your comedy has evolved, but since you're young, that's actually a pretty good place because it's more dynamic with you. It was like you sound like you've represented people before. So me and her got to talking. Essentially, she's a one-woman band. She went um, independent because, well, the organization she was with was full of pigs. Essentially, it was full of pigs, and she even swiped a lot of their talent because the talent knew they were pieces of shit, right? And she wanted to grab me because she had practically nobody in stand-up. 
she had like models, actors, something else. I don't know, but she didn't have comedy or people who were capable of comedy writing, right? So fucking, I decided, okay, here's what's going to happen. And I, I'm, I'm, I want to meet you and get to know you. And then I told her what happened. And she was like, why you let these ignorant jackasses in your head? Are you serious? They hate you because you're funnier than them. And they're your friends? Well, I mean, I haven't talked to them since then. Good. And, well, she basically won me over. Now let's speed forward to good old 2018. A lot of stuff happened near the end of 2018, didn't it? Yep. So she's going on a vacation. At this point, I've done stand up. Um, maybe uh for a whole entire month out of the year because well, none of my jobs that I was doing were morning shifts. And doing a morning shift at a stand-up club has essentially no money. There's no money. Doesn't matter if you're good. You're not getting paid enough. And in my case, sometimes it almost wouldn't warrant the trip. Especially for my agent. Because if I'm getting like two or three hundred, reminder, she's getting like 30 or 40. So it was almost a loss. But sometimes I just wanted to test out new material. And she understood what my situation and she actually didn't mind that based on my work schedule, because I was almost always early birds and night shifts, I couldn't do a lot of this. Or if, I, or if I got there, I would be sleepy. Or if I went there, I won't be able to get to work, right? And it's not up to these club people or um, entertainment bar lounge owners to get me back and forth to my other job. Obviously, I bike or rent a car where applicable. And if I go out of state, bro, I make sure it's time on a three-day vacation or vacation time and I would go ham and then nothing. So she would make a lot of money and burst and then she would get nothing when it came to me, essentially. I'm wrapping up, calm down. So um, one day she hits me and says, hey, listen, I got something big for you. I was like, you always say that. And don't get me wrong, I'd consider anything big. Like, no, no, dummy. I have something big for you. I'm talking you might be on three different pilots. I was like, okay. But hey, listen, um, I'm going on vacation. I'm heading to Italy. I was like, oh, hey, take a lot of pictures of me. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm gonna go to those, try to go to those seafood places you told me about. People really are sleeping on the seafood stuff over in Italy. Lisa, you remember what I told you about trying to use slang? So then she laughs, but I wasn't joking. I did tell her, please don't use slang. It just feels wrong. It would be like hearing your parents say, oh, this is lit. Or trying to respect anybody over the age of 25 that says lit in a sentence. And they're not talking about igniting something. But I'm not here to name names. Uh, I say lit. Like, yeah. I'm <laughs> damn well saying it too. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah. Okay, first off, my problem with you is this LBVS shit. But we're not going to even go there. Cause we'll be here all. Oh day. my god! Don't bring that up. Yes, I'm not. I literally said I'm not. <laughs> Fucking LBVS right. bullshit. Anyways, so uh, Lisa's so Lisa goes on a trip. She sends me like pictures for the first two or three days. 
right? So, um, Lisa's very good with her vacations. Uh, she eventually did get a PA, and the PA was really just like dispatch. I know it sounds we even nicknamed her dispatch. Her personal system was really just dispatch. Hey, can you get here at this time? Or hey, you have this show tomorrow. Are you still good for it? Blah 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 blah. And that means she basically had a four-week vacation. So she takes the final two weeks off and closes down shop unless someone says they specifically want to work and she books it in advance for her office, essentially. She's not doing work. Um, But before that, no, I'm sorry, but but after that, she also puts her end of year, she her all of her vacation time to another 14 days for the beginning of the year. So from the half end of December to the top of January, you can't find her ass or she's not, she's, she's not doing shit. Right. I got a call in the middle of January and, um, what was her name? I think it was, um, Josiah something, something unique. Uh, I couldn't tell what country she was from. She had a cool accent and Josiah tells me, Hey, when's the last time you seen Lisa? I was like, I, I haven't seen Lisa since October of last year, but you know, I talked to her like right before she went on an Italian vacation and she cut me off. It's like, yeah, I was like, wow, what's up? I haven't been able to find her since then. I was like, well, her vacation still going on. Like, no, it ended three days ago. The fuck? Well, Italy's under that lockdown stuff and they sending food to people, but she should still be able to use her phone or, you know, find something. Like, yeah, her dad is literally from Italy. I forgot what else she's mixed with, but you know, she's half Italian uh, and she even lived there for a little bit when she was a kid. So I told her, um, hi, I can, I know some of her other, uh, acts or talent acts. Cause she had us do a group photo shoot and single photo shoot. So I met some of them. Uh, I can call them around for you. It was like, I have most of them, but yeah, but some people left the company or they just left having Lisa as an agent. I can call those guys and girls. It's like, yeah, please do. And as you know, come March, shit went to shit. Some places closed down earlier. Some places closed down a little bit after, but the lockdown stuff, uh, which ironically, one of Trump's technical only good decisions, but because of the way it was handled, it ended up being total chaos at first. Um, You know, avoided that altogether but i want to go down that you know, rabbit hole well of course we could have listen you don't know it's fine if you do we all know trump was a fuck up it's not a problem um should have done lockdown sooner but you know, pride stupidity mm-hmm. yep we had did it sooner we wouldn't have had to have of all that but never mind i'm gonna shut the fuck up on that one politics so i don't know where the fuck lisa is no one knows where the fuck lisa is and Lisa uses my comedy footage that she has because she, I think it was once or twice a month or if I do a show in the city, which I don't even like her coming to, but if I do a show in the city, she will record five or 10 minutes and she uses it to shop me around to people, right? I don't have any of this footage. And when she finds people who had, you know, recorded me or just certain comedy bars when they weren't supposed to, she actually tells the owner and she tries to get the videos pulled down. That's some dedication. 
and she's not wrong it's not like a stingy thing it's it's kind of smart because if there's a limited amount of your information for comedy out there people are more likely to go see you or if you do jokes specifically designed for social media you don't want full sets up there you want a quick 15 30 or 60 second soundbite in fact that's kind of what taylor thomason does if you go to her youtube channel she's not making new jokes she's uploading something she already did and condensing it to 60 30 or 15 seconds um and i have not seen or heard from lisa since that last phone call and picture of italy and that's actually where i stopped but i didn't quit because i'm sad now um i don't know where my agent is i don't know if my agent is even alive and last i heard you can't really file a missing persons report for someone in a different country so to my knowledge even if she hasn't been declared legally dead I don't know enough of Lisa's family to know how to contact to find out if they know anything about her and then speed forward to right now well during the pandemic as y'all know I got into YouTube because I still wanted to be funny and it had to go somewhere and that eventually led me to wanting to creatively write comedically more working with more of my media production people um, whether it's CJ or I won't even say really working with CJ on comedy, let me not lie, but talking to media production people, eventually meeting Rachel, eventually meeting, uh, this guy named Ramsey. He's a short motherfucker. I'll introduce you guys to him one day. He works, so he works at a studio, you know, and trying to come up with shit and being funny and trying to just put stuff out there. And eventually people liked it enough to where we will get partnered on YouTube and y'all know the rest of the story or y'all know the story from the pandemic going forward. I still wanted to be funny. I was feeling pent up. It had to go somewhere. It went on YouTube. It went on these life stories. It went to these conversations we have. And eventually I am where I am now. So currently I am creatively working on one called project gravity, which is a sci-fi, um, comedy audio drama or audio dramedy. We don't know when it's going to be released on, you know, distributing markets, but it'll be on Spotify at a bare minimum, iTunes, Google Music, Apple Music, all them shits. Um, but there's three characters we still need to record. And once that's done, you know, we can more than likely release the first episode once our lead engineer clears it. Uh, I still do write stand up or jump off points or jump offs, whatever you want to call them. But I do still write material that I just find ways to use on you guys, or I find ways to put up online. And I've gotten into the AI voice stuff and I'm working on a, essentially a saga of Andrew Tate versus Obama, a real man versus a little bitch boy. Ah. Yeah. And in fact, Shy Dubs is actually helping me with that. And he's seen some of the script, so he can tell you it's actually pretty fucking funny. Yeah, I'm excited to see how the AI handles that because uh, oh, I really want to hear got all the AI lines recorded. So if you want, I could legit let you listen to that. Um, uh, yeah, actually, that that would be cool before we actually do that. You know, 
Yeah. And um, with that being said, that brings this life stories to an end. Are there any questions? You uh, said you never talked to any of those, you know, comedians who were quote unquote friends. Uh, Do you ever see any of them ever again? Yeah. I saw them at bus stops. I saw them at red lights. I've seen them on the train, from the train, or getting on a train. And I've seen them in certain other, like, you know, uh, bars or restaurants where I just came in to eat. Huh. Well. Was that the only question? Uh, well, the only other thing as a follow-up would be, I assume you haven't talked with any of them ever since then, you know, them, uh, basically hating on you for being better than them? No. Um, Sasha, uh, smiles at me in that I'm that smile that you know that something's wrong, but they can't say it or don't want to show it. Or she'll wave at me, and I'll just not say anything. Hmm. Well. Okay. Well, with that being said, uh, that brings this episode to a close, and I will see you guys in the next one.